Good morning, church. Good to see you all here today. And for those of you that were at Patrick and Grace's wedding yesterday, I'm keeping my eye on you. I know it was a long day, but I was there too. Stay awake, stay alert, because I might pick on you. What a beautiful ceremony it was yesterday, just celebrating two godly young people coming together in holy matrimony. It's just a beautiful time. Pastor Pat sends his greetings. He's got some family in town, and it's just with them this morning. We are going to conclude our series on the book of James today. It's been a 12-week series today. It's part 12, and we're going to wrap up this series, Christianity That Walks. If you're visiting today, maybe out of town, and you would like to catch up, maybe hear some of the uh, preaching series from the book of James, all the messages are on our website, greaseassembly.org. You can go on there and click on the messages link and and go through uh, the series if you want in your own time. Before we dive into the message, some of you know our brother, uh, John Palermo. John has been part of the church for probably 10 years now, and has been battling some sickness and we want to pray for him. He's down in Baltimore, Maryland. He had a successful surgery, I believe it was yesterday. He texted me this morning and asked for prayer. He hasn't been able really to eat and keep food down for about a year now. And uh, today was the first time he said he had some soft food and, and hasn't been bringing it up. So he's thankful. They think everything is well. They're going to monitor him. He's going to be down there until Wednesday and then head back to Rochester. But as we prepare to open up God's word, we want to lift him up before the Lord. And I want to let you know at the end, as we wrap up, uh, we're going to be talking about prayer in the book of James. We're going to have a special time of prayer for any of you that would like prayer, either for healing and so forth. Um, But I thought it would be appropriate um, to pray for our brother and pray for God's blessing upon his word as it goes forth today. Amen. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for your word. We thank you, God, that we have time, that we have the freedom right now to open your word and to receive directly from you today. And Father, as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, Lord God. And I pray right now for my brother John. I thank you for his life. Thank you for his faith in you, Lord God, that you have sustained him in this very difficult year. I pray right now that he would just sense the presence of God filling him, Lord God, upon him in that hospital room, Lord God, that you would be with Nina and the children, Lord God, as they care for husband and dad. Lord, I pray that you would complete a healing in his body right now as we lift him up to you, Lord God, that you would complete the work, Lord, that he would be able to once again get to a normal, complete diet and eat and drink and keep food down. Lord God, the the things that we take for granted, Lord God, that our brother has been suffering with, Lord, please touch him today. Lord, as he comes back to Rochester this week, we pray that he would be completely healthy and whole. And Lord, we just want to thank you in advance. Father, I pray right right now the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, that you would speak to me and through me these next few moments in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise God. We're going to be wrapping up in the book of James, starting at uh, chapter 5, starting at verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Almost all the verses that I'm going to be sharing today will be um, on the screen above me. 
So if you don't have your Bible apps or your Bibles or don't want to read the Pew Bible that you probably need a magnifying glass to read, those Pew Bibles are tough. I mean, I won't say how old I am, but I'm having a hard time reading out of those things. But if you are going to use the Pew Bible, page 638 is where I'll be at today. But I'm going to read through the text once through, and then we're going to take our time to go through verse by verse as the Lord gives us the time and allows today. And then, as I said earlier, we're going to have a time of prayer um, before we conclude and, and leave here today. Follow along as I read James chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Is there any way this TV could be on here so I could see the scripture? I'm sorry, but I can't. I'll try to turn around a little bit. But we're going to go through this passage uh, one verse at a time. But if you haven't picked up on it, on this final section of the book of James, we can clearly see there's a strong emphasis on prayer. In fact, prayer is mentioned seven times in just these handful of verses. And as James finishes the letter here um, that he wrote to the 12 tribes scattered Abroad, he's really speaking to us. He's speaking to followers of Christ, to the brethren who he uses that phrase several times. James is encouraging us, and I want to encourage us here today. If you're taking notes, you'll see it on these outlines to uh, to pray, describing four situations. He's describing four situations where God answers prayer. And number one in your outlines, write the word suffering, prayer for the suffering. Very, at the very beginning here in verse 13, he says, is any among you suffering? Let him what? Pray. Pray. The Greek word that James uses here is kakapatheo, and it means to suffer hardship, trouble, or it means to be afflicted. It's interesting, this Greek word is only used in three other verses in scriptures, and they're all found in 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy. And the verses, I believe we have them for the screen. I'm just going to read them very quickly here. 2 Timothy 2, 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
Then he goes on to say, for which I suffer trouble. He's using the same Greek word in all three of these verses as an evildoer. What he means here, like a criminal in chains, but even to the point of chains, he says, the word of God is not chained. He's writing this letter here. And then in verse um, five of chapter four, he says, you be watchful in all things, endure what? Afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Church, family, please understand here today that as God's people, we go through life, we must often endure afflictions, hardships, troubles that are not the result of sin or chastening by God. Do you understand that? We see in the scriptures, oftentimes sin is a result, or excuse me, disease or sickness is a result of sin or God is chastening his people. But there are also times as we see throughout the scriptures where God is allowing afflictions, hardships, and troubles. And maybe you're wondering, what in the world are you talking about? Before you leave here today, I believe the light bulb will go off. Here I ask you this question. What should we do when we find ourselves in such trying difficulties or hardships? James tells us and other passages tell us we should pray. Pastor Pat didn't really have time to finish in verses 9, 10, and 11, but I want to look back just a few verses just to kind of um, understand the context as we go into our text here today. If you have your Bibles there, and we'll have it on the screen above, James 5, verses 9, 10, and 11, it says to James writes, do not what? Grumble. Oh, we got some good grumblers here today. I know you guys, you know, when your team's not winning, I hear that grumble. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of grumbling today because there's a lot of football going on today, I know. But he says, don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, see, he's talking again to Christ followers. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of what? Suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who what? Endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end, look at this, intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Do you see this here? You see, God is not limited to time. Do you remember the beginning of the book of Job where Satan comes? I don't know if he knocked, but he approached God, right? Yeah, well, look at this guy, the wealthiest man in the world. I'm just paraphrasing. Come on. And God allows, right, the enemy to go and basically bring trouble, hardship, affliction. And you just can read about it. 42 chapters, I believe, the book of Job, and it's a roller coaster ride. But there are times, church, if I may say, that God allows afflictions and, and, and things into our lives, but it's not to harm us per se, but to help us. You see, the word of God says that in Romans, that God's plan is to conform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I can personally only testify to myself that if my life is always honky-dory, I don't know that I would really look to the Lord 
like I do when I'm going through trouble and affliction. So sometimes as I'm studying the scripture, I need to step back and say, okay, God, not get angry and shake my fist, but say, why or what do you have for me here? And that's tough to do, isn't it? I mean, we don't invite and welcome suffering. We don't invite this thing. But God invites us to trust him. If we could figure God out, I've often heard it said, if God was small enough for us to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough for us to worship. What would we be doing here if we could figure him out? So as we look through this text here today, I love what Warren Wearsby says. He says this about prayer. It can remove affliction if that's God's will. But prayer can also give us the grace we need to endure troubles and use them to accomplish God's perfect will. And then if you're taking notes on your outlines there, God can transform troubles into what? Triumphs. He can. I love what one pastor, Ronnie Floyd, once said. I never forgot this. He said, God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. Think about that. God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. And often prayer is what unlocks that door. Paul prayed, the apostle Paul, the great follower of Christ, he prayed in 2 Corinthians 12 that God might change in circumstances. But instead, God gave Paul the grace he needed to turn his weakness into strength. And I want to just pause from James here, and we we have the scripture up on the screen. Look at these four verses in 2 Corinthians 12. Many may be um, familiar with this passage. The apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, let me me lead the, the first six verses very quickly leading up to this, just to give you the Cliff Notes version. He is just basically writing how he has these amazing visions and revelations. I was caught up into the third heaven about 14 years ago. He's, he's kind of penning this. It's his own story. But then he goes on in verse 7, and he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about how God hates pride, right? Well, this is it. So sometimes God needs to allow a thorn in the flesh, per se, to keep us humble. I mean, this is really what Paul is saying here. Look at verse 8 with me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord, how many times? Three times that it might depart me. Paul didn't just say, God, can you do this? Three times he pleaded. That word pleaded in the Greek, parakaleo, para meaning to the side, and kaleo meaning to call. So primarily to call to the side or to call to one's aid. Paul pleading, come to my aid. He's beseeching God. Three times he did. God that it would depart from him. Verse nine, look at this with me. God said to him, my what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, Paul writes. That word infirmities literally means want for strength. 
want for strength. That God actually would allow infirmities to come upon his people that in a sense, when you look at that word, that we would have a want for strength. And it, let me tell you, church, it's beyond us. Doesn't mean you need to get up earlier and start pumping iron. That's not the strength we're talking about here. We're talking about a holy dependency on God. And he says here, therefore I will boast in my infirmities. I take pleasure that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Then verse 10, this is Paul writing. He says, therefore I take pleasure. He takes pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. When you look at this in our minds, we say, this guy is out of his mind. But God help us to have, I used to call this God's goggles, like God's perspective from heaven, that we could see that God is good. Amen? He's good in the distress. He's good in the troubles. You see, Because, as I said before, if God doesn't do another blessed thing for us on this side of heaven, the fact that he gave his son and purchased our salvation is enough. And if he chooses that we die from an infirmity, a sickness, or distract, forever, eternity is secure with him. So even if I can't wrap my mind around it, to know forever and ever, I will be free. There's no more sickness, no more pain. Read Revelation, see the end of the story. It's worth it, church. Jesus prayed in Gethsemane that the cup might be removed, and guess what? It wasn't. Yet the Father gave him the strength he needed to go to the cross and die for our sins. Look at this verse in Matthew with me. Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus, it says, he went a little farther and fell on his face. And what did he do? He prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as what? You will. Write this down, journal it. What a powerful pattern for us to pray. What An incredible example, Jesus Christ himself prayed, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He prayed to his father if he could take this cup. There was absolutely no other way, though. We know without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Jesus had to go for us to have salvation. In a way, he didn't have to go, but that's love. No greater love than this, and he laid down his life, right? He laid down his life. He chose to do that. What an incredible example. Jesus, fully God, yet fully man. Do you think he felt the pain when the crown of thorns were pressed on his skull? Absolutely, he bled. He died. One of the most horrific deaths for you and for me. Are you suffering today? James admonishes admonishes us to pray. Let's look back at verse 13 at the second half. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. God has a way, church, of balancing our lives. Oftentimes it's with hours of suffering, but days of singing. 
You know, there's that phrase in scriptures, the joy comes in the morning, right? There's times we're familiar with that. But always, I constantly am telling myself, sometimes I feel the suffering is greater than the singing, but that this is a season. With three teenage daughters, this is a season. Try to enjoy it. Oh, Jesus. Try to enjoy it. And now my second can get behind the wheel. Try to enjoy it. My prayer life just went up this past week when I took my daughter to get her permit. Oh, Lord. God is good. Hear this, though. The mature Christian, the mature Christ follower prays in the midst of their problems and sings while suffering. Look at Acts 16, verse 25. You're familiar with this. This is a story of Paul and Silas. There's been songs written about this. We sing songs about this. But it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the who? Prisoners were listening to them. For those of you who aren't familiar, they were in jail. The prisoners were listening to them. Yet they were singing. And the very next verse, we don't have time to get into it. We know God just chose to move. Singing while suffering. And God just chose to move and set them free. We can't get a hold sometimes of God's plan. But church, that's, we have to trust him. We have to trust him. And I want to ask you today, do you trust God? Before you're so quick to answer, God, do I trust you? Some of you are going through hard stuff right now. And maybe you're even angry at God or you're angry at a spouse or a loved one or your boss. I'm asking you, do you trust God? Can you be prayerful during the troubles of life? Can you see, my prayer here today for you is that you will see the power and prayer and take God up on his word today. Maybe instead of watching eight hours of football, like sometimes I've done, Maybe say, you know what? The fourth quarter is the only thing that really matters, right? I could take some time at the beginning and pray. Maybe God's going to burden you for somebody and he's going to call you to pray. Let's just do what God tells us to do. We will not regret it. Christ followers will not regret it. If you're here today, you're not a Christ follower. This may sound like gibberish to you, but if you're a Christ follower, your spirit is being revived right now because the word of God does that to us. Let's continue in verse 14. Point number two on your outlines, prayer for the sick. I'm going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Who will raise him up? The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses or sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Please understand this portion of scripture, church, is not a blanket formula for the sick to be healed. This is a means that the Lord often chooses to use, but sometimes he does not. Is sickness always caused by sin? No. Perhaps it's an opportunity for God to be glorified. Let me give you a great example of this in John chapter 9. We'll have it up on the screen, verses 1 through 3, where the man born blind received sight. Some of you may be familiar with this. Look at what John records. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. 
His disciples asked him, said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Look at verse 3. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Great example right here. And we know what happened, right? He was healed. Oftentimes, God allows things, sickness, things, possibly that he would be glorified, that Jesus Christ would be revealed to people that have never even opened the word of God. I'm hearing some stories, and they're absolutely blowing my mind away and increasing my faith of people in other parts of the world that God is just choosing to glorify himself in because they're hungry. They, they just need a move. It's but God where they're at, but God. And he's, he's doing incredible things. God, help us to see that. The prayer of faith here in this text is a prayer offered when you know the will of God. A lot of Bible scholars say this is um, dealing with 1 John 5, 14 and 15. You could read that later. But I want to emphasize here, confess your sins and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10, you could write that down. I didn't get that up here on the screen, but I'm just going to refer to it for a moment because I believe that this can help some of you in a practical way here today. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Can I say here today to someone that may need to hear this, don't do life alone. Single person, don't do life alone. Maybe you're saying, well, I want to get married. I want. Don't do life alone. Find a community group, find a ministry team, something. But, and I'm going to be real transparent, okay? But as a pastor, this sometimes is very hard for me. Because you have, you're a pastor, you got to pray, everything's always doing good and stuff. There was a time in my life where it took a while. I was praying, God, I had a friend when I first moved here that I met, a youth pastor, and we would meet on a weekly basis. We tried actually a couple times a week at the Y next door. Number one, for encouragement spiritually, but number two, we wanted to kind of stay in shape as we were starting families, and we knew that you know we had to be more intentional all right, about our health. He moved down south, and for a long period of time, he was just the brother that the God had in my life that I could just be transparent with that would pray with me. We need this, church. You know, I heard just recently of a man who confessed to another brother a, a, a sin that was very private that he was struggling with, but he said the moment that he did, it was like this burden was lifted off of him, and his heart was healed. <laughs> That's this verse right here. James, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. Sometimes confession is the very thing that God will use to bring healing to your soul. That's what God's word says here today. Receive that. Proverbs 28, 13, I believe we have this on the scripture above here, on the screen above. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have what? Mercy. Do you need the mercy of God? I need the mercy of God. The importance of confession. Confession. I want to look in verse 16 here, this word effective, fervent. You know, we, we see this as James pens these two words here that we see. 
Very, very interesting here. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What does that Greek word look like to you in the English? Energy, yeah. Energy, right? It's the first thing. That's the Greek word that is used for the um, effective, fervent. Effective, fervent. That's the word. So it's probably energio, maybe. I don't know. Pronunciation is not my gig. But I can look at that and think of the word energy. And literally, in the Greek, it's defined to put forth power, be operative, to work, to be active or efficient. Let me ask you here today, when was the last time you put forth energy in prayer? Kind of a weird question. Now, I know some of you say, well, you can whisper, God hears your stuff. Like, absolutely. We see so much on prayer. But I really feel, just as we look at this text here today, and maybe the Holy Spirit has been, just been challenging me, prayer is work. Prayer is work. Let, let, let me look just a moment. Luke twenty two forty four. Do we have this verse? Luke twenty two forty four. Look at this. This is Jesus. Jesus, okay? Being in agony, what did he do? He prayed more what? Earnestly. That word, earnest, is just the way it sounds. It's intensity. Then he actually sweat. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is the same. This is Luke's gospel here. But this is the same intensity in the Garden of Gethsemane. There have been times I've been so burdened for a soul, maybe a loved one, or for a need. That I, I have gone to my basement or gone somewhere. I used to go to Braddock Bay where not a lot, a lot of people hang out. But just call out to God and pray. I want to encourage some of you need to ask God to give you that energio as we see there. The effective, fervent prayer availeth much. I'm not saying that because you yell, God's going to hear you any clearer. But I'll tell you, there is something. We can see this in Paul and Jesus, and we don't have time to dive into this. I just gave you one quick verse. But, you know, we see, again, fully man, yet fully God. Just the agony, the pressing in. You know, at the end, if you look in the Gospel of John, when he's on the cross, Jesus says he cried out in a loud voice, is the words used, in a loud voice. You know, there's, there's, there's this intensity that we see. I don't know if any of you ever saw the movie War Room. It's a Christian movie that was put out, but I love the lady they use. Perfect fit for the part. But a lady um, that's just pr- a prayer warrior. And there's one scene where she's in, basically she converted a closet just basically to a prayer room and put prayer requests all over. But she's praying with such intensity that just came back to my mind as I was studying this week. You know, there's times that we, that prayer, again, we're engaging. There's spiritual warfare. And sometimes the devil needs to know that we're serious. Back off. I know you may think I'm not, but there's sometimes you have to just get in and say, that's enough. We can be very passionate about things that mean nothing when we breathe our last breath. And, and I'm guilty of it as well, trust me. But we're talking about a soul. <laughs> it's true. Hey, listen, let's just put it out there, okay? I'm a Giants fan. We're playing the Bills, I get it. 
just watch another game. I mean, they're both bad, but I, I don't care who wins, really. But um, we won the, you know, wide right or left. Remember, that's the only one that mattered to me, you know, back in the day. But we can. We can be so passionate about things that don't mean nothing for eternity. I think sometimes God loves to see his children. And again, Maybe it's what unlocks the door. Look at verse 17 here. We need to carry on. Elijah, and, and if you're taking notes, prayer for the nation is number three. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And the NIV, that literally means Elijah was a man just like us. It says, and he prayed what? Earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. And he prayed what? Again, you see the repetition? He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The incident that James is referring to, and I would encourage you, read 1 Kings 17, 18, even into chapter 19 this week. It gives the whole account of what James is referring to here. But how many of you are like me? You're thinking, Elijah, prophet of God, man of God. Of course, I would expect God to answer this man in a wonderful way. Right? I mean, this guy was like, he was one of the guys along with Moses, right, that Jesus had on the mount. I mean, yeah, okay. I can't quite, you know, we're not on the same level here, Pastor Dan. But you see how James, in verse 17, a man with a nature like ours? You see, I think, and I don't have time to dive deeper into this this morning, but if we would take time to read the account, we're going to see that Elijah was far from perfect. When you read in chapter 18 and going into 19, in fact, after his great victory, which he's known for on Mount Carmel, remember, 400 plus, all these guys, he calls him out. He's like, hey, he's almost making fun of him. Why don't you call a little louder? Maybe he's on the other side of the planet. I'm kind of paraphrasing. But he starts, and then he prays, boom, and God brings down fire. We're familiar with the story. But very next chapter, verse 19, Jezebel, that wonderful lady, everybody remember Jezebel, right? She threatens to kill this guy. And it says, verse 19, verse 3, it says that Elijah becomes afraid and discouraged and runs for his life, literally, runs for his life, this great, great mighty man of God. But I'm here today, church, to say God wasn't done with Elijah, if you read it in chapter 19. And let me say here to you today that no matter how scared you are, how depressed you are, how defeated or discouraged you are in this moment, the word of the Lord for you is God is not done yet. He is not done. Look at 1 Kings 19.9. I just picked one verse that I just felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring to your attention today before I close. It says here, He went into a cave. I just kind of set the scene. So he runs away. He goes into a cave, spends the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And for some, maybe that's a word that God would want to give to you. What are you doing in the place you're at here today? This This is not it. I'm not done with you. Not what are you doing here at Greece Assembly Day, but your life right now, what you're going through. Some of you, the Holy Spirit just spoke to you when I read that. That was what the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear. What are you doing here today? This isn't, this isn't the end here. This isn't it. You know what he says a little later? Get up and eat. 
Uh, I like that. <laughs> There's fasting and stuff. You know, some of you are like, okay, I received that. I'm going home. Let's get those chips and salsa going for the game, whatever. But what, what is God saying to you today? What is he saying here today? You know, one thing that's nice about a cave is that it's not easily, uh, you can't easily be distracted. It's you and who knows what, but it's quiet, right? I've actually been in some caves in the Midwest, okay? And I mean, you cannot see, when you're in one of those, you can't see your hand in front of your face and stuff. That's the one thing that's nice. And oftentimes, and we know, even this text tells us, a, a windstorm came, right? Fire, but it was the gentle voice that spoke. And again, you've heard me say this before, church, sometimes the discipline of solitude is the discipline that we need in our lives. Just us and God and quiet. Turn it all off. Leave your phone in the other room. All you hear is your refrigerator humming, if that. But it's just you and God. It's amazing. I, can't, I can tell you many of my sermons that I prayed for the Lord for, that I've just been praying. I've been in this sanctuary praying and stuff like that. Many of them have been birthed honestly, and I'm a deep sleeper at three, four, or five in the morning. Honestly, I think because my body's shut down. There's no traffic going through my head. And all of a sudden, the Lord's speaking to me, and I pop up, and I'll start writing or putting it in my phone. I'm serious. There's something about being quiet with the Lord. Getting back to our text here, Elijah prayed earnestly and prayed again. In fact, at the end of 1 Kings 18, Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, fell down before the Lord in prayer. He prayed and sent his servants seven times to see if there was evidence of rain. And on the seventh time, his servant saw a little cloud. Before long, there was a heavy rain and the nation was saved. Bang, just like that. Isn't that amazing, church? How many of you, the question is, does America need showers of mercy, grace, and God's blessing today? Does this nation need an outpouring, literally, a spiritual rain from heaven to come? Oh, if we've ever needed it, we need it today. I've done something a little different. On the back of your outlines, you'll notice I've included a prayer that Daniel prayed in Daniel 9, verses 4 through 19. I put the whole prayer in the back of your outline. For some of you that are so passionate about our nation and praying for our country, this is a great example of a prayer. You could substitute Jerusalem for Rochester or America, however you want to do it. But especially the last paragraph, verses 16 through 19, when we pause to pray here for a moment. Some of you, the Lord is going to burden you to pray that prayer as we close out here today. And pray with your heart, pray with your might, and pray and believe that God is going to do something because our nation needs a move of God. Amen, church? Number four here, before I prepare to close, prayer for the straying, the straying. Look at verses 19 through 20. Brethren, again, notice, brethren, Christ followers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. How many of you know someone who has strayed or wandered from the truth? I think there's a lot more than that. How many of you know someone who have strayed or wandered from the truth? Many, many hands here today. Now, while James did not specifically name prayer in these two verses, the implication is there. If we pray for the suffering and the sick, surely we must pray for the brother or sister who wanders from the truth. 
The Greek word used in verse 19 for turn him back is epistrepho. It literally means to turn to or to cause to return, to bring back. It's the same word Jesus used. Look at this in Luke 22. I want you to read this with me. I'm getting ready to close, but look at this passage here. This is the Lord says this. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have what? I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. And when you have what? Returned to me. That's the word there. Return to me. Strengthen the brethren. The King James uses the word converted. So is it possible for born again people to be converted? Well, in this sense, yes. Some of us need conversion. We need to return back. Some of us know someone that needs to return back. Jesus is saying this to Peter, that when you've returned to me, when you've been converted, when you come back, strengthen the brethren. You see, God wasn't done. Church, God is not done until we breathe our last breath with us. As we prepare to close here today, maybe some, you just have been just maybe tormented is a strong word, but you've been under attack and you just spiritually are just flat as flat can be. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you today as we prepare to close. As I wrap up this series, Christianity that walked from the book of James, maybe there's someone the Lord would bring to your mind that I just talked about needs to turn from the error of his or her way. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit, I put these words in your outlines to bring to your minds, identify someone that he would have you intercede for and possibly intervene for. We have the picture that James is saying here, that actually you go, you actually go to somebody and speak truth, maybe correction, in love. Allison shared last week, if you weren't here, how the number of young adults walking away from their childhood faith is alarming, through the roof, off the charts in America today. Let's ask ourselves here today, is my life hindering or helping the wanderer? You know, Jesus had very strong words in Matthew 18, verses 6 through 9. Very serious words, very strong words. For anyone who causes these little children to sin, put a millstone around his neck. Better off go drown in the sea. He takes a serious church. As the worship team play softly in the background, I want to encourage every Christ follower to choose one of the four situations that are there in your outline that I shared. You'll notice there was a name, maybe an initials. I put that there, and maybe you already did this. But under the three out of the four categories, I want you to pray, maybe in this moment or when you get home later today, for someone that is suffering, they're, they're being afflicted, and put their name in that the Lord would have you pray for this week. Maybe someone that's sick, and then lastly, someone that's straying put names there. If you're uncomfortable, maybe you'll lose your outline, put an initial, something, but that you could be intentional to pray. Church, there's power in prayer. That's what God's word tells us. We have to pray. I've asked some church leaders and elders to join my wife and me at the altar. As the worship team leads us in a soft chorus, I want to give you time to respond according to God's word. Whether you're here today and you personally are suffering or sick, or maybe you're burdened to stand in the gap for someone that is, 
and you want to stand in their place. Maybe you're burdened for the nation and you just want to come forward and pray or sit in your pew and pray that scripture there on the back of your outline. I would encourage you here today to believe with me that God hears our prayers. That in these next few moments as we offer this time of prayer, Jesus himself said that my father's house shall be called the house of what? Prayer. We do singing, we do preaching, but he highlighted prayer. And prayer is work. And right now, you may not feel like, I don't got any energy left. I'm just tired. I'm ready to go home. And so, like, I encourage you, press in. Press in these next few moments. I'm going to ask our elders, specifically, if you would like to be anointed with oil, as we read about here in James 5. We have anointing oil. My elders are going to stand to to my right, the church elders here. And then I have some other couples that are here, leaders in the church that are offering to pray for any need that you have that will be to my left. But I'm going to ask us all to stand at this time and those that I've asked to join us and lead in prayer to come forward. Look at that outline or, or review in your head and say, okay, I'm asking you to pick one, every Christ follower to pick one area to pray for as we close this service out. Maybe it's someone suffering, sick, straying, or some of you are burdened for our nation and you want to pray for our nation. But as our church leaders stand here at the front and the worship team leads us, please get out of your seats. Let us agree with you in prayer for whatever need it is. And let's trust God to answer prayers in this moment today. Amen, church? He is more than able. He is more than able. After just a few moments of prayer, Pastor Bob will close and dismiss the service. But please, come forward. Wait in the aisle until everyone's prayed for. We'll call you forward. But let's have a concert of prayer. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God and trust him to answer us here today.